Okay, we're back. Neil, can you hear okay, me? Okay, excellent. All right, yeah, let's get going while while we can here. I the can. Uh, Wi-Fi in the can, in the Philippines is uh, perhaps not the most reliable. So, so we are welcoming uh, oh, okay. Neil Elliott to the show. Um, uh, I want to first start off. Uh, you published a book recently, so I want to ask you about the process of writing a book. Um, how long did it take? What was your, uh, I guess, yeah, just your process. Uh, it took a year to write, uh, hired an independent editor, uh, and, uh, we worked together. And then once I got the book crafted, which probably took about seven months, then I, uh, hired a group of individuals to help me, uh, go through the process, you know, create the cover, put it in a, in the various book formats, uh, you know, all the kind of stuff that they do. Um, and that took probably another, you know, four to five months. And so it took about a year to get it published from Very start cool. to finish. Very cool. And so is this book, um, is it more of like an autobiography uh, about, you sort of your journey or is it, um, more on like the self-help, um, sort of space? It's, uh, it's, I would call it a hybrid. It's, um, uh, I use, uh, it's got a, a memoir in it. Uh, first part of the book is a memoir and it's really created to share with the readers, my experience, uh, the kinds of things that, uh, you know, experienced me or, uh, excuse me, influenced me in my life and how, uh, I adopted these particular, uh, beliefs and ideas about right, wrong, good, bad, true, false, that created every event and every experience that came into my life. And then, uh, take me to taking me to the culmination of, uh, you know, sitting down and planning out my suicide and crafting my suicide. And then, uh, the rest of the book is uh, more of a inspirational uh, self-help book uh, to share with people the path and the process and the material that I use to take me from this uh, deep despondent depression on the verge of suicide or on the brink of suicide to uh, a state of absolute love, peace and joy over the course of a year. Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Um, so if you don't mind, I'd like to sort of talk about, you know, that, that darker part of your life, um, crafting your own suicide being sort of at the brink. Um, and, uh, you know, in my mind, I haven't ever been to a state where I've really been, uh, cl close to, to that. And it's been, I mean, everyone has bad days and whatnot, but, uh, but I can actually, I can formulate in my mind the, a scenario in which, you know, if you just keep going down. Um, sort of like darker and darker paths in your mind um, of it being, you know, a possibility. So I'm interested if you could talk a little bit about what was going on in your life, what your environment was like, um, both external and internal, that sort of led you um, to, to, to get to a place like that. Uh, yeah, so I think first off, people should know that uh, you know, I was born in 1960. So I didn't sit down and craft a suicide note till I was 57, about 57 and a half years old. Uh, and I'm a professional engineer and I have an MBA and I worked in the corporate world and I, I managed large projects. And um, 
you know, so essentially what happens is that, you know, when you're born, and so, you know, this will be a little bit of a, a history thing plus uh, what got me to that place. So when you're born, you come into this world, uh, a baby's brain has not developed to the point of making its own decisions until about age five. So you're born into an environment, into a home environment, whatever that's like. And as a little baby to about age five, you're really, all you really are is this sponge. You're uh, absorbing everybody's ideas and thoughts about the world and you're experiencing what you're experiencing with your family and your siblings and, uh, and those kinds of things. And um, you start to create uh, a belief system. And that belief system is, you know, this is good, that is bad, this is... Uh, you know, I'm happy with this. I'm good with this. I'd like more of this in my life. I don't like that. You know, those kinds of things. So you you craft by the emotions that you feel from everybody that you as a child interacts with uh, and uh, the language, kind of language they use. Is it loving and kind and is it supportive or is it, uh, you know, judgmental and uh, discerning and, uh, you know, kind of negative language? And, you know, the behaviors that you experience, you know, is it loving and kind and supportive or is it, you know, more on the, uh, you know, kind of look out for yourself and, um, you know, a, in a situation like that, maybe there might be some violence involved or not. But anyway, so all of these things start to shape your belief system, which shapes then your attitudes and your responses and your reactions in life. And so then at age five, what happens is your brain develops to you to start to make your own choices. So you've been programming your subconscious. You have these automated responses and reactions to people based on these beliefs that you've adopted. And, um, and then you go out and you go to school and you interact with more people. And as you grow, you know, up to teenager to adulthood, you start to sh shape and hone and hue and solidify this belief system that you have about what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, those kinds of things. And then that uh, forms, you know, what your life is going to be like, what your, your ego responses in life is going to be like. And so all situations from that point forward, you're acting out of this belief system. And if this belief system is not congruent with where we came from before we come to this earth and where we where we return to after we leave this earth and, and i'm using this language now only after i've learned what i've learned so um you you know you kind of continue to hone and shape it but we all wear this facade and we can project whatever we want in life um you know a situation is maybe uh, not to your liking but you can still be nice and you can be kind and you can treat people well. But internally, your thoughts may be entirely different than what you're actually displaying to the world. The important thing about that is it's not what, you know, what you say to other people in a kind gesture, a kind way is important for that interaction. But at a subconscious level and a, in an internal level, if your thoughts are negative and denigrating, etc., um, about that situation or about that person or about that event, those are the things that start to affect your life, unknowingly to you, unbeknownst to you. And 
Um, that's the kind of stuff that gets people into this, um, you know, situation of depression and uh, despair and uh, and feeling like there's no hope in life. And so, uh, as a as an engineer, I you know worked in the corporate world. I went out, I learned, you know, and as an engineer, you know, based in science, have very specific ideas about what's good, what's bad, what's right, what's wrong, what can be proven in science or what can be proven in science. So that's the lens that you, you know, at least I did view the world with. And so you're interacting with a variety of people and working in, you know, what it's like to work in the corporate world where there's a hierarchy and there's people maybe politically driven doing things for their own advancement, maybe not necessarily what you think is in best uh, situation for the company or where the company should be going. But you're not in control. And uh, so what you do is you, you know, you conform. And when you conform, you cause this internal struggle. And um, or you quit and you move on and you try and find other things. But the bottom line is that it's all based on your belief system. So you can be nice and you can be kind to people and you can work with a bunch of people. But internally, uh, for me, you know, I was uh, very successful as a professional engineer and a, a project manager. And, you know, I could work with lots and lots of people uh, in a variety of uh, situations. But internally, um, I wasn't happy. And, um, you know, I had this belief system about, you know, maybe these people aren't right or, you know, I might have used more uh, severe language than that, uh, such as, you know, these are idiots, but, you know, I got to work with them and I got to work around them and figure out how to do this. But, you know, when you live in that environment, which is so incongruent with your internal processes, what happens is it drives you into this deep, dark depression. And you get in this place of, even though you might be making a lot of money and you might own a lot of things, you might have nice cars and live in a nice place, a nice house, you get to this point, or at least I got to this point, of just being fed up with the world and being fed up with everything in it. And it's seem, seeming like nothing good was going to happen. You know, you might be in debt. There could be other things associated with that. So I got to this place of you know, go on vacation with my wife, everything was great, but day-to-day -day life was a misery. No one knew about it. I didn't share it with my kids. I didn't share it with my grandkids. I didn't share it with my wife. But I got to this point of, I'm done. And so, uh, you know, I sat down, I crafted out my suicide, and, uh, you know, I was in a pretty miserable spot. I didn't see any hope in, uh, in life. Yeah. Wow. I can, I can definitely, I can definitely understand that. Um, so I have like very brief experience in the corporate world. Uh, I was in it for about two, two ish years. And one thing that I really noticed, which you hit on was just this, uh, this almost necessity to act inauthentically is like present throughout the corporate world. So like, it's almost like everyone is playing this game, playing this facade just to climb the ladder one more step and nobody's really acting out their authentic self. Like you said, your, their authentic belief system. And so it's almost like on the daily, you're having this incongruency between 
um, sort of your internal thoughts, beliefs, um, just like being your authentic self and then what you actually, um, I guess, can do in a, in a corporate setting are two things that just like completely miss. Um, and I, I haven't thought about it in the sense of sort of leading to like internal deep, dark depression for me, it was more at, at that point it was a, in, uh, call it just like a incon inconvenience that uh, made me like uncomfortable, I guess. But I can totally see that as you go through years and years of that, um, that can sort of lead to a, a, a very, uh, sort of scary and dark place. Um, and so on the flip side of that, then, um, you know, it's your story is, is like that of like a Phoenix, you know, rising from the ashes. Um, and now, you know, being someone who emits joy, love, gratitude, um, and, you know, is able to, to carry yourself, uh, in that way, sort of like getting towards more your, uh, authentic belief system, your authentic self. Um, I guess where, how did it start? How did the turnaround begin from being in that place? Uh, and which I could just imagine it's just impossible to find sort of strength um, when you're in a place that low, um, you know, it's easy when things are going well, but when, when you, when you're in a place that low, do you, was there a point, was there a, a certain, uh, maybe a family member or a, um, a thought, something you saw, something you felt that really sort of, it, that was like the bottom of the pendulum and, and sort of started you on your way upwards. Uh, so definitely not anybody outside of me. Um, you know, it was really that, uh, I had been since the nineties, you know, kind of, um, uh, reading spiritual books and reading science books, those kinds of things. And a lot of it made sense to me, but, um, I couldn't really deeply understand it or, um, uh, believe it necessarily. It was believable, but it was just, you know, at a real deep level, it was like, eh, you know, they can't prove that in science, that kind of stuff. And um, so I tried all the processes, you know, read up uh, reading uh, of a variety, a bunch of books for a number of years. And although they made sense and I would have liked them to help me, all the processes that were outlined were um, not really based in science so that I could believe it. So therefore, it was harder to bridge this gap between spirituality and science. And so a week before I was sitting down to craft this suicide note, some material, uh, which I don't share what it, exactly what it is in my book, I do share. If you get my book, you can understand it and get access to this material for free. But um, I, this material arrived in this fortuitous fashion that promised to liberate me from my thinking if I studied it and I followed it. And I was looking for know kind of any little sliver of hope any last ditch effort to try and get out of this place i was in so i thought i would give it one last chance and i was planning my suicide out about three months to ensure my wife would be okay and you know get rid of all the stuff that i accumulated over a lifetime that you know clogs up closets and attics and basements that you never use and um so I thought, okay, well, I've planned out my suicide, do it in about three months, get myself all straight that way, let make sure my family's going to be okay and say goodbye to everybody uh, before I actually pulled the trigger without them knowing what I was going to do. And I thought, okay, I'll, I'll give this last bit, this last document that showed up looked 
you know, it promised to liberate me from my thinking if I studied it and I followed it. And it looked at first glance, you know, a few paragraphs, it looked like it was something that I could back up with a bit of science. It was understandable and it looked promising. So I thought I'll give it a go. So I started studying it and following it. And as I did that, that three month deadline of committing suicide just moved out because everything that I read and studied and followed uh, over the course of a year just totally made sense to me and uh, could match and uh, work with the things that I needed uh, to have that were scientific based that just made sense to me. And so I just studied it and I followed it and I did it. You know, I'm not, I'm not religious at all. I didn't have any religious background. My, my mother was an atheist, I would say. We didn't go to church as children or anything. And I had no studies in religion. And, um, but this made such incredible sense to me as I was reading it. So I studied it. And over time, what happened was because it was so logical and rational and believable, what was internally going on was my whole belief system was starting to shift and to change. And at the end of about a year of studying, 13 months after I was studying, and part of this is uh, you'll learn how to meditate. And meditation uh, is, uh, you know, a very specific thing. You can start out with five minutes and work up to whatever you want. But, um, you know, the, the, the real purpose of meditation uh, is to enter into the silence and stillness of your mind, to stop all of your thoughts. And when you do that and you do it through this particular process and, and you um, cleanse yourself of all of this uh, erroneous belief system that, that we that we build up, that I built up, that everybody kind of builds up. Um, what you do is you make contact back with the source of our being, whatever you want to call it, God, Yahweh, the Tao, doesn't matter. You make contact. And when you make contact, spirituality is not an intellectual exercise. It is an experiential exercise. And when you make contact and this energy starts to flow in through the crown of your head and then start to fill your body, you start to get reinforcement for what you're learning. And then uh, for me, what happened at the end of a year, I went into this meditation two times and two days apart. So I went into this meditation and um, all of a sudden the spiritual energy flowed in through my head and it filled my body and then it just enveloped me in unconditional love. And it's an unconditional love that you know, I just cannot describe, uh, we don't have the human language to describe it, but what it is, it, it just filled me and I didn't care what pains I had, what aches my body had, I didn't care what diseases and illnesses my body had, I just felt totally supported and totally loved and not judged no matter what I'd done in the past. And at that point, uh, and then I came out of that meditation, I would just wanted to stay there forever, but I came out of that meditation. And then, uh, you know, kind of two days later, I had the exact same meditation. And at that point, 
I knew that this process I followed, that this new information I learned that created this new knowledge for me, uh, is our truth and where we come from. And uh, I just, it just totally changed my life. And it's just been this ongoing, upward, incredibly beautiful and loving experience since then. And, uh, you know, it's hard to, it's really hard to describe, but I can tell you when you experience it, you will know and understand. Definitely. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's really incredible and inspirational. Um, yeah, I've started doing, I have like a meditation practice myself and it's really incredible. Just the, what a difference it makes just taking for me, it's about 15 to 20 minutes a day. And what that can do to your mind is like really insane. Like we know about, you know, exercising for your physical body and, you know, the body and mind are connected and whatnot, but it's really not in our culture. It's not the same as, you know, taking care of your mind and doing maintenance on your mind. Um, and that's very, very cool. And I think, uh, something that I think is also very helpful for people to understand is sort of how things can be the same way things can spiral downwards. Um, like, uh, they were in your situation. Um, we can see the flip end of that to where they can spiral upwards. And so you can sort of rise in this exponential fashion, which, um, seems like you, you, you've done. And I think it's, uh, very hopeful and just a very, uh, very cool part of life that um, just incremental progress can lead to bigger and bigger leaps. Um, and so before I let you go, I want, uh, I want to get um, where people can get your book and any last word, the title of the book and any sort of last words you have. Because um, so far, this has been great. And um, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on. Well, thank you, Patrick. Uh, so the name of the book is called A Higher Road. Uh, cleanse your consciousness to transcend the ego and ascend spiritually. And I, it's a seven-step process to inner peace, love, joy, abundance, and prosperity. If you go to ahigherroad.com, uh, that'll take you to my author website. You can learn more. The book's available in paperback, uh, hardcover, and uh, ebook. And uh, you can buy it globally anywhere. Amazon has it globally. You can get it from bookstores if you order it globally, that kind of stuff. Um, uh, and, you know, kind of last words would be that no matter where you are in life, uh, ill or healthy, uh, happy, depressed, uh, live in a mansion or live on the street, you can totally transform your life if you have a process to do it and you're willing to put in the time and the time, the energy and the effort. And I can tell you that no matter what situation you're in, uh, you can come to this place of inner peace and love and joy. And no matter what is going on around you or going on in the world, you will no longer be dragged into it. And you can maintain that peace and love and joy that then you can express to everyone and anyone in your environment that you meet. And your life will totally change. Totally change. Well said. Leave it there. Uh, Neil Elliott, thank you so much for coming on. Um, everyone go by a higher road. I'm definitely going to check it out. 
Very exciting stuff. Thanks for coming on. See you, Neil.